everyone. Welcome to Questions. I'm here with Pastor Joel. I wanted to say thank you for letting me borrow your shirt today. Absolutely. I uh, forgot my shirt before our recording. It looks better on him than it does uh, on me. I don't know about Everything that. Everything looks better on him than it does on me. So. <laughs> uh, but we're here to answer all your questions. Um, if you're writing to us from social media or on our website, we appreciate you writing in. Today we have a question from Brooke, and she has a question about dating. She says, what does the Bible teach about dating? That is a great question, Brooke. Thank you for asking. I'll do my best by God's grace to answer this biblically. Um, it's a challenge, though, because the Bible really doesn't talk about dating. However, I think there's still a few general biblical principles that we can glean that will be helpful in um, equipping us to date righteously. Okay, so the Bible doesn't address dating specifically, um, but ultimately the goal of dating is to be married. And so we're not dating just to play around. We're not dating just for the fun of it. Ultimately, a Christian should only be dating someone if they're working towards um, marrying that individual. And I know that there could be some debate over dating and courting and those things. Some of it's semantics and the words that you use. But ultimately, it has to do with uh, the appropriateness, the righteousness, the accountability that's uh, employed in the way that we pursue someone unto marriage. Um, so going with the word dating, since that's the word that was used, uh, Basically, I guess my answer would be this. The Bible says a lot about how to have a good marriage. The Bible says little about who to marry. All right, let me say that again. The Bible says a lot, gives us a lot of information about how to have a good marriage. But the Bible says very little about who to marry. And I think that we can glean something even from that. I think that what we can learn from that is at the end of the day, I think that just Western American you know, 2019 culture just places way too much emphasis on finding the one, right? We place so much stock in finding the right person and the person who's going to be your soulmate. Now, I just want to lovingly save you the heartache and the trouble of, of just letting you know up front that, that the moment that you marry someone, after your wedding night, you'll wake up the next morning and you'll realize that you married the wrong person. What I mean by that is that you didn't objectively marry the wrong person, but you married a sinner. You married an imperfect person who's going to fail you, who's going to hurt you. Um, as far as a soulmate, well, Jesus is pretty clear that people will not be given in marriage or in marriage in the life to come in heaven. Our soulmate, at the risk of sounding cheesy, is really no one other than Jesus himself. He's the groom. And we, as the church, the people of God, we are his bride. So Jesus is your soulmate. Everybody else is not. And so ultimately, uh, the Bible places so much emphasis on how to have a good marriage because I think what the scripture is getting at is that who you marry at some degree, hear me, at some degree is irrelevant so long as the two people in that marriage are committed to following Jesus. If you're going to put Christ first, if you're going to live by biblical standards, um, then you can you can legitimately have a good marriage with anyone. Uh, they need to be of legal age, and they need to be the opposite sex. And the third criteria, they need to be a Christian. And that's what I'm going to bring in to dating, right? So as far as how to find the right person, right? Not to how, how to just have a good marriage. The Bible addresses that a lot, but how to select a spouse. Well, they need to be the opposite sex. 
They need to be of legal age and they need to be someone who is a Christian. And this is why, all right? This is 1 Corinthians chapter, I believe it's chapter 7. Let me double check. Yep, chapter 7, verse 16. The Bible says this, For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? What Paul is addressing as he's writing to the Corinthians is ultimately he's talking about someone who is in a marriage with an unbeliever, a Christian who's in a marriage with an unbeliever. And he's saying there is no biblical promise. There is no 100% guarantee that you're actually going to be able, capable of winning this person over to submission to the Lordship of Christ. There's no guarantee that this person who is an unbeliever that you're married to is going to become a Christian. Maybe God will save them. Maybe God won't. And so the one thing that we really need to make sure of is that the person that we're marrying, the person we're dating, because dating is working toward marriage, we need to make sure that that person is in fact a Christian, that that person is in, in, uh, a person who is um, a child of God. Let, let me read one more text for us real quick. This is 2 Corinthians. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Right? There can be no union. There can be no meaningful unity and relationship and fellowship between light and darkness, between righteousness and unrighteousness, between a Christian and a non-Christian. Now, all that being said, the question is this. We know that we need to marry someone who is a follower of Jesus, somebody who's a Christian. That doesn't give us much. Yet at the same time, we can then ask the question, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? And when we begin to ask that question, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? Then there's actually a lot that, that we can learn. As we're looking for someone to marry, we can say, well, we just need to make sure they're a Christian. There's only really one big criteria that we need to investigate. But in the underneath the umbrella of that Christian criteria, there's a lot of fruit that we can look to to see if somebody is a Christian. Right? We can look to their character. We can look to their doctrine. We can look to a lot of different things. But the one thing that I want to highlight is repentance. Repentance. All Christians repent. The Bible's clear. No one will reach a state of sinless perfection in this life. No Christian will be perfect. Every Christian is still a sinner, a saint, but also a sinner, a saint who sins. And yet what we do know is that Christians will Repent. And that word repentance, really what it, what it ultimately conveys, at the risk of oversimplifying, is that they're going to change. Right? We're, we're being sanctified. We're being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So we're being changed. We're being transformed, not conformed according to this world and its standards, but transformed by the re renewing of our minds. And, and so ultimately, I'll boil it down to this. Our secular culture that does not submit to God or his law, a lot of what they would say in regards to who you should be in a relationship with is they'll say, find someone who loves you just for you, right? Find someone who accepts you as you are. Basically, what they're getting at is find someone who you will never have to change for, right? You're perfect the way you are. You're amazing. You're great. 
There's nothing wrong with you. Don't go changing. And so as you pursue relationships with individuals, make sure that the person that you're covenanting with in relationship doesn't expect you to change. Well, that's the exact opposite counsel that the Bible would give. The Bible says, I, I believe, that a relationship, more particularly a marriage, will work. It, it has the utmost potential of being incredibly fruitful and successful so long as this marriage is between two Christians. And if they're two Christians, then they both have, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit within them, regenerate hearts, and therefore the ability to repent. Meaning, the reason why a marriage and a relationship will work between two Christians who can repent is because we're saying that it's a relationship between two people who can change. They can change. That's the biggest criteria that I think we need in a relationship for it to be successful. We need somebody, not who just accepts us as we are, because, because even if they accept you as you are today, the reality is that they'll change whether they want to or not tomorrow. And once they change, they'll have changing standards. And even though they used to accept you, they're going to struggle to accept you now. Even if somebody completely accepts you today, how do you know they'll accept you in a year? How do you know they'll still accept you exactly the way you are in 10 years? See, what you need is someone who is transforming. They are maturing. They are changing. And you need to make sure that you're both going to be changing in the same direction. And if you both have Christ, the image of Christ, his righteousness, his holiness, his person, as, as your destination, your common aim that you're working towards, then you're both going to be changing in the same ways. You're both going to be changing towards the same ultimate goal. That's what a relationship needs. My wife and I, um, all the time, that, that things will come up where it's like, hey, this hurts me. I, I don't feel like you're loving me in the ways that you should. I need you, Joel, or I need you, Megan, my wife, to change. Well, what we're saying, what we're expressing in that as believers is I need you to change for the better. Not for the worse, but for the better. And change for the better means changing more into the image of Christ, which means repenting. It means being sanctified, which is something that only a Christian can do. So in regards to dating, not how to have a good marriage, although this kind of addresses that, but more particularly who to marry, you got to make sure that you are marrying someone who can change, who can change for the better and who is committed to continually changing over the course of their entire life to become more and more like Christ, aka you need someone who's capable of repentance, aka you need to marry a Christian. So. Well, thank you, Pastor Joel, and and thank you, Brooke, for writing in that question. That was a quite a quite a lot we learned uh, today on that, and uh, we just want to encourage you to write in your questions if you're watching us on Facebook, uh, on YouTube, or Instagram, wherever you're watching us from. If it's on our website, write us in your questions because this is the platform that we get to answer them. So we'll see you next time on questions. 
As a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit rightresponseministries.com offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com offer. And thank you for your generous support.